the great reformer Martin Luther struggled in his own personal study of the Word of God over a great Bible doctrine of faith versus works. Now this morning our topic and our study is not on faith or works. The study this morning is on the result, the aim, the goal, which is justification. As you're turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, allow us to take just a second and reflect back upon salvation, reflect back upon um, the play, the stage, the, the gamut that's set before us. In the garden, Adam was made, how was Adam made? He was made the image, made the likeness of God. Amen. And Adam, when he was beguiled of, of the serpent, the Bible says that uh, he fell. Now, when he fell, he lost both the likeness of God and lost both the image of God. And we covered that two weeks ago. And the Bible says that if you're not in Christ, you're the enemy of God. Romans chapter 8 is very plain. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity means division. It means you're the enemy of God. So in the salvation process, the greatest thing that God could do for you is to, is to make you his friend. It is to justify you or to bring you back to the place from whence you fell. Romans chapter 4, look with me please in verse... 25. The Bible says in Romans 4.25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The Bible there says that I was that I was a sinner, that I had offended God. The Bible says in Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul lays a premise earlier and says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, There is none righteous, no, not one. And the Bible lays out a situation where you and I have offended God, where you and I have broke God's moral law, where you and I have come short of God's glory. And of course, as we've studied in the past, that is actually the key falling short of the glory of God. Now as we this morning delve into the great doctrine of justification, our purpose this morning is not to examine every nook and cranny of justification, but our goal this morning is to give you understanding what it is and then justify for you, to use a pun, the, the uh, differences in the two Gospels of Peter and Paul and how they relate to justification. Before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love. Heavenly Father, now let us enter into your presence. God, right now, through your Holy Spirit, God, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Father, we come this morning to you, God, in all kinds of different states of, of, of mind, in different states physically, God. Some of us, Father, come carrying large burdens, Father, to, to, to bear. Father, and some, God, come having uh, 
uh, a, a joy and a peace and, and Father having a very light-hearted heart because of uh, what you've done in their lives. And God, no matter what the state, no matter, Lord, what the uh, position of that individual here this morning, Father, work in hearts, God, uh, Lord, clear minds and hearts and, and, Lord, make us receptive to your word as we just sang, Lord, open our eyes that we may see, Lord, wonderful things that you have for us this morning. Now, God, teach the believer, God, build us up in the faith, Lord, make us to know you the only true God, and God, draw near to your heart, Father, that we might uh, be the man and the woman that you would have us be here this morning and throughout the rest of our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray, and for his sake we do ask it. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. Of course, we could go back to the book of 1 Peter, where the Bible says that he bore in, or, uh, in his body our sins on the cross. And we can go back and we can examine, which we won't do this morning, the great biblical doctrines of the, of the time when Christ took our sins and we got his righteousness. The time that when I was a hell-bound sinner without hope, without God in this world, and how that Jesus Christ came to God on the cross and said, Father, I want to pay for Dave Bennett's offenses, and I want to give him what I have, my righteousness and my peace. And in giving you righteousness, Jesus then justified you. Now we talk about the great doctrine of justification. The word justification comes from the root word justice. Now, when we think of the word justice, one of the first things that comes to your mind is the courts, or a judge, or someone who is just. Now, a judge is supposed to do what? He is supposed to impartially sit up and, and reign or deliver a decision that is just, or that is right, or that is equitable. And so understand, I was a person who the Bible says my best righteousness were like filthy rags in God's sight. I was a man whom the Bible says that I did not seek God. I was a man, the Bible, who, the Bible says, that I was like a sepulcher. On the outside of me painted all slick, by the inside I'm like dead men's bones. I mean, I was a man in whom there was no good thing but guile in my mouth. You know what God said? Jesus said, I want to justify him in your presence. I want to make it right for Dave Bennett to stand in your presence, Father. I want to make it fair. I want to make it. Uh, 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 I want to make make it right for him to be able to walk boldly into your presence as a son of God. Now that's a mind-boggling thought to me. How could God make me? a dirty, old, rotten, hell-bound sinner, just in God's sight. Make me so that I belong there. And you see here again, that gives us glimpses into, into the fact of, of our eternal security. How that I, des I deserve heaven right now. I was, past tense, justified in Christ Jesus. I was, past tense, sanctified in Christ Jesus. And I'm now in the position where I deserve heaven, not because of my merits, but because of what Jesus Christ did. 
in the substitutionary death on the cross. Look at chapter 5, verse 1, the next verse down. Because he was delivered for our offenses, and because he was raised again for our justification, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Tremendous verse, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, how does justification come? Comes by faith, right? It comes through that act of you putting your faith and your trust in the substitutionary death of Christ. See, the verse before that says, He was delivered for our offenses, thereby we're justified. So, how do you get that justification? It's by putting your faith, 5-1, in the delivered man, 4-25, see? It's by placing your faith in the one who was delivered up for your offenses. You see, when your sins are paid for, you're a perfect man. Did you know that? As far as God is concerned, you're perfect. Now, I know many people say that I am now, but that's not the point. The point is that I am now perfect as far as God's concerned. I am without spot. I am without blemish. I am right now, Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now as I stand here. I, I am a sinless person as far as my, get this now, my state in Christ. Those people who, who uh, deny the family of God, they fail to understand the state of the believer or the standing of the believer. They see the world in the dirty now and now. They see the world as you and I see it, but they fail to see you as God sees you. They fail to understand that when Christ died, the book of Hebrews says, He died once and for all having forgiven us all of our trespasses and all of our offenses. So he completely and utterly forgave them all. See? And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So understand, before we get in the message this morning, that justification is a doctrine that made you just, or it's right for you to stand before God. I mean... Uh, Bob Alexander says all the time, if you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't come to church this morning here and preach. And if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't preach to you. And you see, that thing right there mind boggles my mind because of the fact that if we're really honest with ourselves, we're a pretty corrupt people, even though we try to serve God. We're pretty selfish and, and we're pretty pretty uh, pretty well intent upon keeping our own selves. But understand, the Bible says no matter what that is, if you are born again, if there's a time in your life when you said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, save me, be the Lord of my life, you right now are justified in God's sight. You are complete, you are whole, you're a man or a woman that is that deserves, because of Christ, to be in God's family. I mean, hallelujah. I mean, praise the Lord. What have we got? I mean, what better thing can you say than to say that I can walk into heaven and not be ashamed of being there because of what God did for me? It's not like a if or maybe or could I. It's I am there because 
verse 25 of chapter 4 says, and was raised again for our justification. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Read with us, please. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of, uh, hope of the glory of God. Now that's a tremendous verse. That Bible says we have access by faith in that grace. We can get in the grace of God and we can stand and we can rejoice in what God's done for us. Verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You want to pencil your name in there. For scarcely... For a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, justification is a process. Verse 8 says that while we were sinners, God commanded his love for us and he died for us. Verse 9 says that being now saved, we will be saved in the wrath to come. It's not we hope we'll be saved in the wrath to come. It's we will be saved. Now let me just take for a second and feel any questions. And for every many questions, I'm going to depart the standard approach toward justification and make application uh, in a different different area. Any questions about this so far, as far as the justification of the believer in a capsule form? Guy, if you would, um, Romans chapter four, just a page back. Look at Romans chapter four and verse three. The Bible says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. you understand that Abraham was out there, and he waited a hundred years for a son? Well, I can appreciate that right now. I haven't just gotten the son this last week. I can really, really appreciate what Abraham was thinking. You know, but I didn't have to wait a hundred years with a uh, baby sick wife wanting a baby until she's 85. And I mean, uh, I could just imagine what poor Abraham went through. I mean, oh, Sarah wants a baby and she can't have one. And, and she finally connives and schemes and squirms and brings in her handmaiden and has Abraham follow a child by her handmaiden because she wants a baby so bad. And then when she gets the baby, she finds out that's not right and that's not what she wants. And so she takes a wish mail and the mom and takes him out and runs him out in the desert. I mean, I'm sure Abraham has some fits about having a baby. I'm just sure he has some problems. hundred years old, they conceive, have a son named Isaac. You know what happens? I bet you something. I bet you Isaac was the most spoiled little boy in the world. I mean, you're here, your parents are, well, that's not what he's talking in Bible study about 
how you should be grandparents should be parenting all the kids and how the different attitude was. Can you imagine being 100 years old and having your first kid? I mean, the attitude you must have. I mean, just think about that a while. Here's a Abraham. He's got this kid 100 years old. I bet you Sarah just going nuts. I mean, if the kid sneezes, everybody's know what kid with tissue the kid knows. And I'm sure that they were just, I mean, the kid was probably so spoiled rotten because they had waited. It was a precious item, something they had waited all their lives to get. God say, Abraham, yeah, Lord, why don't you take Isaac and some wood, and I want you to go and to a mountain, I'll show you. So he says, honey, uh, uh, Isaac and I are going out to offer a sacrifice to God. Uh, we'll be back in a little while, honey, a couple days. They kiss Sarah goodbye. They get on their asses, and they ride off to a mountain that God showed them. By the way, which is Mount Calvary, Mount Moriah where Christ died on the cross. And they walk up the hill, and Isaac's probably a young man of 20, 25, strong, good-looking young man. And they get to the place where Abraham picked out, and they begin to build an altar. And Isaac said, Dad, we're building an altar for a sacrifice, but Dad, where's the lamb? And Abraham says one of the greatest lines in all your Bible. He says, God will provide himself a lamb. And the Bible says that God bound Isaac. And can't you imagine the way Abraham, I mean a hundred years would have this kid. Can't you imagine the way Abraham, the thoughts going through his mind, he takes his little boy, that little boy is a man, puts him on that altar, and as he raises the knife up, Bible says God calls out of heaven and God says, Abraham, I'm well pleased. Don't take your son's life. I found out, Abraham, that you love me more than you love that possession that it took you all your life to get, that possession that you so dearly desired. I found out you love me more than you loved it. And he looked over and there's a ram caught in the thicket. He took the ram and he offered the sacrifice to God. That thing right there says, among others, that because Abraham was willing to give everything he had for Jesus Christ, it was counted to him for righteousness. It was counted to him for righteousness. Look, if you would, please, um, <coughs> back at Romans chapter 2 while we're here. The Apostle Paul is laying a theological background He's talking about the depravity of man. He's now got the place here in his, in his, in his series of arguments where he's talking about the law and how that, uh, the law, uh, how the law was a, 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 a burden and, and so forth. It says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be what? Justified. Shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature things contain the law, these not having a law are a law unto themselves. You know what Paul says with the Apostle Paul? He says those that have got the law are justified by the law. Turn to James 
the book of James, chapter 2. Wrap the book of Hebrews, the book of James. James, chapter 2. Look at verse 20. James, chapter 2, and verse 20. James chapter 2 and verse 20. The Bible says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he, was, when he had offered, up, offered Isaac his son upon the altar? And what's that verse say? Was not Abraham our father justified by what? By works. Paul said back in Romans chapter 2 that they were justified by the works of the law, right? Amen? Okay, hang with me now. I see some puzzled looks. Verse 22, See thou how faith wrought his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified. You see then how by works a man is justified. Remember what Romans 5, 1 said? Therefore being justified by his grace. Hang on, what's, the, what's going on here? Look at verse 24. Read it again. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Huh. That likewise also was not Rahab the heart justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead... So faith without works is dead also. Martin Luther said the book of James should not be in your Bible because the book of James contradicts the rest of the Bible. He said, the Bible says in this place that you're justified by faith. And James comes along and says you're justified by the works of the law. But I took you purposely to Romans chapter 2 to share what Paul said that those that are under the law are justified by the deeds of the law. Now what are you saying? Is not the basic Bible study premise 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly what? Dividing the word of truth. So understand the basic premise for studying your Bible in an apparent contradiction where the Apostle Paul said you're justified by grace and the Apostle James said you're justified by works and the Apostle Paul some other place said you're justified by works. What do you do there? Was Paul getting old and senile and start contradicting his own teachings? Well, no. Did James and Paul have a problem in, in, in working out what they believed and had some problems? No, 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 no. It's all the Word of God. Heard a uh, 
a rather accomplished uh, gentleman on the radio preaching, a man who generally sound. And he opened his radio broadcast by saying, there, are there contradictions in the Bible? And then he brought up the great debate over faith and, and, and works. And he says, are you saved by faith or are you saved by works? And then he began to talk and he, he spent his whole time and he made a supposition. He built all his remarks on a, prep, on a uh, foundation that he supposed was true. He said, and let's just look, examine what he said, the goal is to be saved, right? The goal is to be justified. Right, man? That's what, that's what the goal is. Here's the Apostle Paul over here. And here's the Apostle James over here. Now, you know what's going on? He said that you've got to have, that when you have faith, you will then naturally have works, which I, which I agree with. When a man has faith, the man will then show his faith by his works. And this gentleman on the radio said, James was looking at this thing of salvation and justification as you would see it from the man who was a mature Christian doing the works that evidence his salvation. And then he said that the Apostle Paul was viewing the same salvation from this angle over here where we had a new Christian who was just newly saved by faith. And he said, they therefore must be the same salvation. They were just different angles of viewing it. Well, that's very eloquent. That's a very good rational argument. But where do you find in your Bible the supposition or the premise that they were looking at the same salvation? I mean, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, um, man is justified by the deeds of the law in the Old Testament. We find the guy in the New Testament epistle, the book of James, saying, look at verse 24 again, you're still there. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. By works and not by faith only. What are you saying? I'm saying that you have a situation here where you can talk and you can rationalize and you can work out all you want to and say uh, they're looking at the same salvation from different angles. But let me, uh, let me suggest some things to you. Keep your finger in James and turn back, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. The book of Galatians is the key to what we're going to talk about this morning. The book of Galatians is a book that battles legalism, promotes free grace. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 16 with me, please. Now keep your finger in James chapter, chapter 2. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Galatians 2, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, 
even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, look at it now, shall no flesh be justified. Whoa! <laughs> he says no flesh will be justified by the works of the law. He says not any. He said, we believed in Christ so that because of our belief in Christ, we could be justified. He says in verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Now, have I successfully built in your mind a problem? That's the way I like to teach. I like to say, I like to just build a thing up. When I, when I debated in high school, what you didn't debate was you would find a problem, you would create a problem, then you would show how that your solution was the best solution for the, to, to, to solve the problem. Now we have a problem, an age-old problem that's been debated, we know at least since the year 1580 and before that, 1500 AD. And so, uh, we take and we run this thing through, what's going on? The Apostle Paul, a great man of God, who almost all the New Testament church teaching comes from, says, a man is justified by faith and not by the works of the law. But yet then James says, Abraham was justified because he offered of Isaac. What's going on? What's going on? Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. The Bible says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Well, he's getting emphatic, isn't he? He's repeating himself now. Paul's becoming repetitious. He's saying that no one he said, you get saved by faith. You get saved by faith. You get saved by faith. Look, if you would, please, at chapter 5 and verse 4. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. He says in verse 4, chapter 5, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now the um, the uh, uh, Arians like to try and tell you that. Um, pardon me, the Armenians. I'm thinking Arian. The Armenians try and tell you that that's a place right there where a guy all of a sudden loses his salvation. Well, the whole theme of the book of Galatians is simply this: that you're not saved by anything you do. You are saved by what he did. You are saved by a third party's deed, which is Jesus Christ. And he says, you know something? If you're trusting in the law, he said, you're not saved. He says, if you're trusting in your works, he says, you are not saved. He goes on to say how that you have made grace of no effect. 
Now, you say, what are you telling me? I'm saying, I want to, I want to rectify this thing, and I want to um, come through and, and, and run this thing through and give you a solution. Look, if you would, back at chapter 3 and verse 22. Galatians 3.22. He says, But the Scripture hath concluded all in the sin. That means every one of us has got to go and die and go to hell. That the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now grab this. But before faith, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. Now, didn't the Bible say Abraham believed God that was counted in righteousness' sake? Wait, 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 wait. What's he saying here? He's saying that when the law was in effect, there wasn't any, there wasn't faith. Now, he's not saying men didn't have faith. He's saying that faith was not a vehicle to be justified by. You see that? I don't want to read anything in here. I want it just like it sits. Hey, Abraham believed God. That's by faith. Hebrews 11 goes to the great recount of the Hall of Fame, faith in the Bible. And it says, without faith it's impossible to please him. And it says, by faith Noah, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. And it goes on, there was faith there. So why do you say, but before faith came? You know what he's doing? He does this age-old thing It looks like this. And you bear with me. He says, that there is a division, that there is a divider on one side's faith, on the other side, the works of the law. You know what happened? This side of works eventually migrated into this side of faith. He says in verse 23, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. See, there it is. That They didn't see that faith had been revealed. It was hidden. In fact, the Bible says it was shut up. Verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. <laughs> but after the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. But Dave, James is in the New Testament. <laughs> But Dave, James is, is, is a New Testament book. But James is before faith came. James is the first book of your New Testament written. Did you know that? Who's the book of James written to? The twelve tribes scattered abroad. 
the first verse, James 1.1. 1, 1. New Testament. You see what's going on here? And I've taught you this before. you got a situation, government, where Christ came, and Christ came offering what? What did Christ come offering? Kingdom. Acts 1.6 The apostles asked Him before He ascended into heaven, Lord, wilt Thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Acts chapter 2 Peter preaches that great message and the Holy Ghost falls and he says, You have crucified the King of Glory. You have killed the Messiah. And they say, Men and brethren, Jews, what shall we do? Acts 3.19 he says, repent, for when the times refreshing come the presence of the Lord to blot out your sins. You see what's going on here is you got a bunch of Jews, say that again, Jews who are looking to get a kingdom. And the way you get that kingdom is by the works of the law. The way you get that kingdom is by repenting and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. The way you get that, that kingdom is by the works that you do. Acts 3.19, I just quoted it. They were waiting at the time refreshing, book of Daniel says, second coming, when the Christ came to bring in the kingdom, then their sins would be forgiven. It wasn't at the time of faith. It wasn't at the time of salvation. Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you have cancer and your cancer goes to remission, you're not cured. Your cancer is just dormant. And Peter says, if you'll get baptized, God will put your sin in remission, and when He comes back, He'll blot it out. What happened? Acts chapter 2, and Acts chapter 3, and Acts chapter 7, Peter Stephen gets up and preaches this great message and you killed the king of Israel. What happens? They kill Stephen. Christ sits down at the right hand of God. He's standing and he sits down and Acts chapter 8 the first Ethiopian gets saved. In Acts chapter 9 Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles gets saved. In Acts chapter 10 Peter sees a sheet let down from heaven with all manner of unclean beasts. And God says, Kill and eat, for whatever I have cleansed, don't you call unclean. And you know what starts happening here? We find in Acts chapter 2 through somewhere around Acts 10, 11, 12, 13, we find Paul popping up on the scene. If we would take the time this morning, I guess we could. Let's take the time. Turn the next book over to Ephesians chapter... Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Might as well be thorough, and I didn't want to preach your other message anyway. Ephesians chapter 3. I just got this little quirk about me that I want to be thorough. That I want to be complete and utter and... Good morning! How are you? Hi, sweetie. Right on the end. We're just turning to Ephesians chapter 3, studying justification. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, 
the prisoner of Jesus Christ for who? You Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the what? Grace of God which is given me to you word. Now let's just stop right there. What a dispensation is? What? Period of time in which what? Go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Go. Yeah. The way I like to do it is this. It's a time when God changes the way He does things. He deals with man differently in dispensations. For example, before the flood, God dealt with man in a, in a, in a way, and after the flood, dealt with him in a different way. You're a little clearer one. Before the law, every man did what was right in his own eyes. After the law, they had a little big, laborious set of rules they had to follow. Those different dispensations. Another one, our church age. You know, we got freedom in Christ. You know what they had before Christ? Laws. Those are changed to dispensation. Now, Paul said, verse 2, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the what? Now, where else we talked this morning about a mystery? Remember Galatians chapter 3? He said, but before faith came. <laughs> he said, before faith. You're right, Sam. We're just pouring in now. It's 11 o'clock. Uh, but before faith came, he says, the whole world. Good morning. Hi. How are you? He said, before faith came, it was shut up, and it was here. Do you remember that? Amen? You know what Paul says? I got a mystery. Galatians 3 said, before it was revealed. What do you do with, if I had a mystery this morning, I want to tell you something. I'd have to reveal that mystery to you before you know it, wouldn't you? Do you see how the Bible fits? He's there saying, hey. I have a mystery. I have, I have a dispensation. He said that a mystery that was given to me. Look at verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is it? that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers in Christ by the gospel whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am least less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's saying here? Paul's saying that in my teachings Jew and Gentile become one. They share in the same body. They become fellow heirs. You know what happened to Peter taught? Men and brethren Jews 
you kill the king of Israel. Repent and be baptized, Acts 3.19, that when the time of refreshing come, the second coming, to bring the kingdom, he'll blot out your sins. I'm saying very clearly and very emphatically that the book of Acts is nothing more than a crescendo and a decrescendo. You got old Peter over here preaching the kingdom, and you're justified how? By works. And he preaches and he preaches. Here comes old Paul in Acts chapter 9. And he says you're justified how? By, by grace, by faith. That's very good. Now, works aren't faith and faith aren't works. So what are you saying? I'm saying that, and of course this takes some additional study to put all this together, but what you've got a situation going where Romans chapter 10 says, Blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles we come in. See, Israel's blinded. They're no more getting the kingdom. You want to do it now? God put them on hold and went to the Gentiles. Folks say, are you saved by grace or are you saved by works? Was J James right when he said faith plus faith uh, uh, Faith and works have got to be used together for salvation? Yes, he was right. Was he right in James 2.24 when he said that you are justified by the works of the law? Yeah, he was right. Was Paul right when he said in Galatians chapter 3 or chapter 2 verse 17 that you are justified by grace and not of works? Yes, he was right. How can they both be right and teach something that is opposed. Very simple, my friend. They're talking to different people. Peter, James, are talking to the Jews that missed the kingdom and are waiting for the king to come back. And they were justified before God by the things that they did. Paul is talking to a bunch of uncircumcised, heathenistic Gentiles who could care less about a kingdom and are not looking for a Messiah. And he says, boys, you can be saved by grace. You can be justified, not by the Jewish law, which you've never seen, but you can be justified by a law of grace. By a law, my friend, of the Spirit of Christ in Romans chapter 8. There's two laws in Romans chapter 8. There's a law of, of, of sin and of death and a law of the Spirit. And I put this all together in the Institute notes if we ever get to them. And the law of sin and death is what Peter taught. And the law of the Spirit of Christ, the law of liberty, the law of life in Romans chapter 8 is the law of freedom and grace in Christ Jesus whereby you and I are made partakers of that divine nature. Now, go ahead and we'll shut down here. Any questions?